2018, the official video game of Formula One, is available now on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Go to FormulaOneGame.com or visit your local retailer to pick up a copy and make headlines today. Rob Zachney. Bongiorno. <laughs> uh, that means I can feel your halo. Bongiorno. <laughs> Welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon. That is Rob Zachney. How you doing, Rob? Not too bad. A little, a little let down by my favorite F1 race of the calendar. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Uh, feel a little bit like I let everyone do a bait and switch last week with like, get ready for spa, y'all. It's the best racetrack in the whole calendar. Well, uh, let me let you in on a little, um, a little secret of shift F1. That always happens. Whenever we say this one's going to be good, it ain't. Uh, but the converse is also true. That's true. Would not have expected like, uh, you know. Azerbaijan to be a good race, but frequently it is. Yeah. Uh, although not when we try to force it. When we're like, right. oh, you know, it's you know, probably be nothing. Then it actually is. So you can't, you, we have no say in these things. Uh, I don't know. There were some things to like about this. I mean, first of all, I think my, my threshold for needing a good race was much lower than it usually is because there was Formula One on and that's all I really cared about. So, um, I don't know. I had a good time. Plus, th- this race started off with the bang. And actually, qualifying was pretty good, too. Uh, did you watch qualifying? Yeah, qualifying was very good. Um, we kind of had, uh, going into it, we knew that Hulkenberg and Botas were already going to start at the back of the grid for power unit changes. Um, which, uh, let me know if you figured this one out, because I uh, thought it was really strange that they kept Hulkenberg um racing and he ended up uh going on to q2 but signs was knocked out like signs was the last person knocked out uh in q1 so why if hulkenberg was already going to be starting at the back of the grid would you even send him out there that's a good point i can't really I can't really uh, figure out a good explanation to that one unless you're like really concerned about like just making sure the unit is working correctly, right? Like if there's any doubt and laps are at a premium, I can see an argument for like, look, we didn't get we didn't get enough data, just send them out. Um, might also be they just didn't have much hope for a good qualifying overall, and. Or the opposite, or they hoped that, or they expected signs to not get knocked out in Q1. Uh, he was complaining of having no rear grip, so I don't know what happened there. Um, but things were uh, <laughs> um, got even crazier as it started to rain at the end of Q2. Uh, and by Q3, it was right in that tricky window of like, we can go out on slicks, but it'd be really tough. Um, well, they we all went, tried. And like yeah. they all stacked up. I mean, you you rarely see this, uh, but 
pretty much the entire uh, field that made Q3 were stacked up at the exit to the pits uh, at the start of the session, and they were all trying to get a lap in on slicks before it became undrivable up there. Uh, spoiler, yeah. it was already undrivable, uh, which made for some really hairy moments in that in that session. Yeah, Botas spun off uh, and luckily did not hit anything. Um, same with Perez, who went off at the top of Radion, which thank you to everyone who said it's called Radion, actually, not Eau Rouge. <laughs> Eau Rouge is the little kink before the hill and Radion is the one at the top of the hill. Thank you, everyone. Uh, but he barely missed the wall. Uh, Perez did. So uh, everyone put on intermediates um, to, <laughs> to to be able to set times, but then the track dried as time went on. So Raikkonen uh, set a really fast lap initially uh, when it was still pretty wet out, but he then went to the garage with a few minutes left, which I haven't seen an explanation for. Uh, I don't know if I just missed that or I don't know why he retired uh, from Q3, uh, still, a, I think maybe he, they were saying that maybe he was only fueled for a certain number of laps. Um, and maybe that's why he was able to set what? that initial fast time. That was the speculation. But the part that I stumble over is like the inability to get him back out. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it was just such a strange lapse, uh, cause the Ferraris were in good form this entire weekend uh, I just don't know how the timing got so sideways on that one where they couldn't, they could not get him back out to get a better placement than P6. Uh, yeah. when the, when the car was the best, like clearly that was the best car of the weekend. Like that, the Ferrari, the Ferraris had this race on lockdown. It seemed. Yeah. And maybe it was the gamble of, we'll, we'll short fuel him. So he's much lighter. And then that's, what enabled him to make that really fast time. But Vettel then came out and beat his time. Um, and, you know, because the lap was, or the uh, the track was much drier, that probably contributed to it. But then it was up to Hamilton to try and top Vettel. Uh, in his second to last lap, Hamilton went off the track. Uh, but on the final lap, he kept it together and eclipsed Vettel by three seconds. So <laughs> well, this is what rain can do. It was such a weird, but remember, because other people, like, including Vettel, were trying to get in a lap on that faster track behind Hamilton. But the problem is that by that point, there was, it looked to me like Hamilton had the, la like, the last sweet spot for the intermediates, where mm -hmm. there was just enough water on the track to keep the tire temp the, the keep the tires working correctly, keep the tire temperatures true, right. Yeah. And there was just enough where he could get around and complete a lap and keep those tires cool. And you could see, like, it was almost like wringing out the last of a sponge while Hamilton was going <laughs> around. Because if you looked at the cars behind him, the track looked pretty much dry. Like, Hamilton, after he drove through, the track looked pretty dry. He was getting the last of the water. And Vettel just seemed to have run out. Like, the cars behind Hamilton, including Vettel, seemed like they just run out of uh, the right conditions for the intermediate, and it was swinging back toward slicks weather. Yeah, um, like it, it was too it was too dry for the intermediates. Yeah, and like that is what is so wild about these changing conditions. Like literally, it was you know a single lap uh, divided like divided by just a 
you know, a minute and a half from, you know, you know, from the uh, previous one. And that's how much conditions changed. Uh, It's yeah. And you, you had the Red Bulls who were like not doing too hot. And you had Raikkonen setting this time much earlier. So that kind of left the door open for everybody else to squeeze in, which is exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> let me just read you the grid of uh, the Belgian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton on pole, Sebastian Vettel just behind him uh, in second place. Then Esteban Ocon in third and behind him, Sergio Perez, his Force India teammate. Then it's Roman Grosjean. Uh, and finally, in sixth place, is that Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, but yeah, then it's the Red Bulls. Max Verstappen in seventh, Danny Rick in eighth, and then Kevin Magnussen in ninth, and Pierre Gasly rounding out the top ten. Behind them is Hartley, Leclerc, Ericsson, Alonso, Sorotkin, Stroll, and then we start getting into the engine penalties. Uh, Botas, Hulkenberg, Sainz, and Van Dorn also had engine penalties. I, got, like, I was surprised the Red Bulls did as well as uh as they did in qualifying because i was very skeptical of the fact that to make up for the lack of engine power they ran like noticeably smaller rear wings uh than the other teams racing yeah they were like practically horizontal to the ground yeah they were very they were they were really strange aero setups for for spa they looked a lot more like what we'll see next week uh well, this this coming week at uh, at Monza, um, but I didn't think that was going to work because sector three around Spa is such a uh, such a fast sweeping sector that like you want arrow downforce, and I really thought that that was going to blow up in the uh, in the Red Bulls' faces, but it was. It was a really canny move, uh, and they sort of uh, cheated their way up into in a, in a decent uh, qualifying positions, uh, running those running those risky setups. It was it was really impressive, uh, you know, real testament to I think the drivers and probably the strengths of that chassis. Yeah, and the <laughs> the team executing the the dark art of car setup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it gave us, uh, certainly a good start. It helped with, uh, with the, the best part of the race, which was the start really a fantastic, uh, opening lap. Um, the, the top four get away pretty well. Fettel sliding in behind Hamilton and then Perez behind Ocon into the first corner. But (laughs) then there's absolute chaos in the background. Uh, what, what did you think when you saw all of this happen initially? I mean, so much is happening. Literally, I had no like the the thing that first like lodged in my head was the sight of that orange McLaren of Alonso's going sideways and then hurtling uh, over the top of Leclerc's car. Like that's what I was like. Okay, I guess Alonso somehow uh, Alonso Alonso somehow got turned around the wrong way. Uh, and it wasn't until the later replays that I realized how badly Hulkenberg. Uh, Hulkenberg, oh, a seasoned dude. driver who know, know. like knows better than this shit. He he. So he Hulkenberg started in 18th with his engine penalty, and coming into the first turn, he absolutely spears Alonso, like totally blows his braking point, catapults Alonso up and over Leclerc, who was in front of Alonso, um, and 
it's just it's like alonzo's radiator rips open so there's like water spraying everywhere uh and then that's happening on the right side of the screen and then on the left side there's also carbon fiber flying in the air which i think was from botas hitting um sorotkin sorotkin yeah Yeah. uh it It looks like one giant incident no botas also had his own uh moment like I don't know, maybe it's guys at the back of the grid not totally used to being there and being a little frustrated and trying to... But the thing is, like, if you if you know the circuit, like, you can't you can't do that at turn one. You can't do that at La Source. It's such a sharp turn. The field bunches up so much. Uh, literally, I, I, do, I do not know what Hulkenberg was trying to attempt there because when I yeah. saw it in replay... Even if his tires somehow bite and they don't lock and he doesn't spear Alonzo that way, where is he actually going to go? Like what? What? Like <laughs> even if that doesn't happen, what was his line? I I don't see it. Uh, it was. I, I think is uh, watching the replay, um, and this is just me, but like maybe he was he had just passed Lance Stroll, so maybe he was preoccupied with making that happen. And he just forgot to... I, I have no idea. There are a lot of really, really good replays. There's actually a uh, a YouTube video on the F1 channel that's just like the first turn crash, all of the angles or something like that. And this this could have... This could have really worked out in Hamilton's favor. This is the other part of this. Is uh, Hamilton got off to a pretty good start. I would say he he managed to he managed to hold off Vettel. He made it around, made it around the corners. All this chaos erupts behind him, uh, but then Vettel is just coming on fast with that uh, Ferrari speed uh, up up through Rouge and Radelon and down the Kemmel Straight, and he overtakes Hamilton. Now in my head, he makes the pass on Hamilton like literally two seconds before the safety car uh, warning comes up, <laughs> like. If yeah. that had gone a different way, like if Hamilton could have held that off for just a few more seconds, I think he might have been able to make this race a hell of a lot more difficult for Vettel. Maybe not. Like maybe maybe the speed different differential was such that um, Vettel was going to be able to execute that move pretty much whenever he wanted. Uh, but he definitely had a clear look at Hamilton there at the start of the race, and uh, he really slipped under the wire and managed to nab first place. Uh, right before the whole field was put into the put in a uh, formation yeah which i mean that whole section was like for the, the first like 10 seconds of this lap you have that insane crash uh you've got uh, like um the hogenberg alonzo leclerc thing happening you've got botas uh hitting sorotkin he actually earned a five second time penalty for that and fernando alonzo's as he's catapulting over Leclerc, his front wing clips Ricardo's rear wing, which kind of uh, knocks Ricardo's front wing into Raikkonen's rear right tire, earning Raikkonen a puncture, allowing Verstappen to pass him. Then, like a couple seconds later, everyone goes up Eau Rouge, and uh, Vettel passes Hamilton for first, and it seems like. Hamilton was the only one not to get this right because Vettel passes him. And then uh, the two force Indias then split around Hamilton and Vettel going on the outside, making it four wide into that first chicane. Like it's a NASCAR race or something. Um, It was, 
and then the safety car comes out which is like okay cool uh now we have uh another opportunity to start the race again so it's it's not a done deal for vettel he still has to hold off hamilton when the race restarts uh but yeah everyone involved is either out uh or pits so ricardo and raikkonen both come in uh, they actually put Ricardo into the garage to fix his rear wing. So um, he uh, comes out a couple laps down. So his his race is effectively over and he does actually retire on lap 31 anyway, which as Martin Brundle pointed out, means that since they didn't finish the race, um, they can put in a new gearbox without a penalty, which uh, may be useful if they need to do such a thing. Um. Raikkonen has, I think, some damage related to uh, that incident because he, we didn't really hear or see much of this during the race, but after the fact, we got uh, some radio stuff came out and apparently he was complaining about the handling for a long time and his engineer kept telling him, everything's fine, uh, keep going. And as it turns out, the DRS was just opening randomly and staying oh, open wow. for a long long time uh which must make it very difficult to drive uh, that sounds very did, scary yeah uh and they eventually did bring him in on lap nine but man that's a long time so to, it was uh, it was com- like it, it was just the drs was just firing at weird points yeah and, it, and eventually just got stuck open okay wow yeah that is that is wild because i mean Playing the F1 game, which is, like, my only frame of reference for actually, like, what it is to drive these things. Like, if the DRS, like, snapping closed happens at a weird moment, or opening uh, happens at a weird moment, like, it can completely throw off the handling and the feel of the car. Uh, It is... I cannot imagine how disturbing that would be to to have that... Well, and to not know, right? That's I guess that's the really wild part, is he doesn't know that that's happening. Uh, He just knows the back end is behaving weird. Yeah. What did... Uh, uh, so there's, I, I saw in the notes uh, there's a little attention given to this, and it became an immediate point of discussion. Um, so Alonzo's car sails over Leclerc, and yeah. uh, you know, to a degree, uh, kind of scrapes the top of Leclerc's car, including the halo. Yeah. Um, and so it was sort of this trial by fire for the uh, for, for the halo system. And it seems like it's become a bit of, not a controversy, uh, but there's kind of a a real hesitation to apply any um, sort of causal explanation to the halo as to why Leclerc came out of that all right. Um, it's it's just been interesting. Like uh, the the halo get, clearly got hit, but there's a lot of reservation about like saying whether it actually made a difference or helped anything. Uh, which which I find interesting. Yeah, it's it, and um, I think there's probably two sides to that. There's the people that are saying like, oh, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't have hit, wouldn't have hit his head. Which to that I would say like maybe not, but it might have crushed his hands, which were on the wheel. Who knows? Um, but I think that's probably coming from people who didn't like the Halo beforehand. I mean, I thought they looked stupid. Uh, uh, before they were on the cars and now I don't really <laughs> I don't even yeah, see I'm... him anymore. Um but I think also uh 
even Charlie Whiting is um, being pretty reserved about it. He's saying uh, this from racefans.net. We had a cursory examination of the parts. Uh, it's a little early to say the high-speed camera won't tell us an awful lot. The onboard camera that we've seen so far is not particularly clear. Apparently, it was Alonzo's uh, wheel, his rear left wheel. Left? Rear right wheel. I don't know. One of the wheels. Uh, that left that black mark on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Whiting says, what's clear is that the significant tire marks on both the chassis and the halo, we take lots of photographs and our researchers will be con- contacting Sauber tomorrow morning just to make sure we understand. For example, uh, when they take the halo off, try to see if the uh, fixing in the bolts that fix it are in good shape. And more importantly, to see if it's been distorted. It's being held in by the bolts at present, but if we see it uh, springs into a different shape and we can try to learn whatever we can from that, but it looks like it had a pretty hefty whack. Uh, All we can try to do is gather as much information as we can, of course, uh, which helps us as we are in the process of beginning development of Halo 4 for the Xbox 360. (laughs) So uh, really excited to see what 343 (laughs) does uh, does with the cockpit now. Uh, so the more we can get the better uh you heard it heard it here charlie whiting developing halo 4 uh should we tell him it's already out so i think this is just him being like super careful about uh, i mean when it comes to safety you want to do everything right the first time and you don't want to be Um, self-congratulatory with with a system that may not actually be helping yeah, and you don't want to like uh, shoot yourself in the foot and then say it came out that oh there wasn't actually that much force applied on the halo. This wasn't actually uh, that good of a test. We haven't had one yet. Blah blah blah. Um, so I think uh, he's being smart about it. But like I don't know <laughs> that that halo has a big black mark on it, and even Leclerc says uh, on Twitter, "End of the race, into the first corner." Um, frustrating. Never been a fan of the Halo, but I have to say I was very happy to have it over my head today. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a funny thing because like you look at the Halo and you see it takes a massive hit, and you're like, well, that thing really did its job. But also, its job is to stick out of the cockpit and take mass. You know what I mean? Like to a degree, it's uh, the entire shape of the F1 cockpit for years has been designed to contour these accidents away from the driver and keep the driver sort of safe within that um uh within the within the that little cocoon that survival cell um and so is is the halo accomplishing a lot there uh who knows having seen like having watched that replay a few times it does look like it looks like the halo took a big hit because it was in the way. You know what I mean? Like looking at, mm-hmm. looking at where it all was, but I can still easily imagine a world where Alonzo's car wobbles or is is at a slightly different like canted angle while sailing through the air, and that goes very differently uh, without the halo. So I'm I'm curious to see uh, you know what the what the results are from this from this investigation. Uh, and and what it sort of means for the future of the Halo. Yeah. Uh, there have been a few other incidents that, um, not in Formula 1, but in Formula 2, another a car ended up on top of a car, uh, which was a pretty good uh, test for the Halo as well. I don't know. It's one of these things that I, I, I don't care. <laughs> so just fine, leave it on. Um, 
let's see where were we around restart of the safety car i guess yeah hamilton tries to take it to vettel just before the second chicane but vettel does keep in front of him uh drs gets activated on lap seven um and Verstappen immediately puts it to use uh, getting by Ocon for fourth place uh Botas makes a pretty cool move on Hartley up through Eau Rouge, uh, which is pretty pretty gutsy. Um, yeah, I had that. That was that, that was a great pass. Uh, and Verstappen just kept driving a really clean race as he picked off those Force Indias. Though uh, Force India definitely seemed like they were sorry, Racing Point Force India. Thank you. Uh, definitely seemed like they were in a just get points mode, like they were. Uh, with the exception of that uh, moment at the start of the race where they're clearly seeing the lead uh, within, within reach, with the exception of that moment, they definitely seem to go in, like, into like a very uh, purely pragmatic, very Prostian sort of just collect the points, keep the car safe, get home. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That uh, oh, So oh, in the four wide uh, uh, part of the race, um, the opening lap, Ocon is on the uh, <laughs> camera left, stage right, as he's coming into the chicane, which is a right turn. So he is on the inside, um, and he's almost even with Vettel. And you could see, if if it was Ricardo and his ability to break really, really late, he might have gone into first place. Um, but I think and maybe it was because he was in danger of dipping onto the grass. I don't know. Uh, but he he hit the brakes uh, and kind of lost out to everybody else because Hamilton was right behind Vettel, and then Perez was right behind him, so he actually slotted into fourth place. But it was a, it was a gutsy move, and uh, I think you're right. I think uh, pragmatism, uh, discretion, the, the better part of valor there. Is that the expression? Yeah, I mean, close enough. <laughs> uh, lap 22, Hamilton tries to undercut Vettel. Uh, but Ferrari negates it by pitting Vettel immediately after Hamilton, uh, and Vettel then comes out back ahead of Hamilton. Uh, lap 27 through, you know, the rest of the race, I guess, there's a fun back and forth with Erickson and Hartley for that 10th tenth, uh, spot. Actually, it's uh, for four laps because Hartley does pit. I was really impressed with um, with, with Erickson's uh, racecraft there, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Frankly, I don't know that I've ever seen him race. He's he. I've seen him drive. Yeah, but I've, I don't know that I've ever actually seen him take it to somebody like that. That was it was fun to watch. No, and I, and I made a note here because so he tries um, so he tries to execute the move uh, into 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 source right, and then Hartley sort of battles back in the DRS zone and takes him again. And so the next time Erickson tries the move. Uh, he basically does it where he he he, ba- he bails out on the idea of trying to do it in uh, in La Source, and he basically mimics what Hartley did to him on the previous go round, and carries off the move the move uh, down the Kemmel Strait into Lacombe, and if you execute it there, it's gonna like there's no DRS zone waiting to help someone battle back, right? And so like it was a very smart like him immediately recognizing what went wrong with the previous attempt at the pass and coming up with a different plan of attack for the next, you know, the next stab at it and like sealing the deal. Uh, it was, it was a solid move. Uh, and it's, it's yeah. just a cool 
moment where you get to see a driver and who knows, maybe also the engineer and the team giving some tactical advice, but reading the situation and sort of replaying a moment and then figuring out the, uh, you know, the optimal way to, to, to bring this off. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, I've, I've heard some, some rumors that, yeah. uh, Erickson might be the one, uh, the odd man out in all this driver swapping. Look, um, somebody's somebody's got to eat shit for Kubica. I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> I don't care who we have to I don't care who we have to throw out of the sport. Uh, Kubica needs to drive. Uh, so yeah, I mean it was that, it was a good that, moment for Erickson. Uh, for yeah, sure. I mean that would be really surprising to me. I think just because Erickson, as long as I've been watching, has been just like this mainstay because I've I know that he has money and Sauber was always a team that needed money. Um, but now that they have this closer relationship with Ferrari and the whole Alfa Romeo thing, uh, they maybe don't need. And they're going to get money they, at the end of this year, given their points. Yeah, so maybe it makes sense to have a better driver uh, in there. So. Who knows? But um, this is, that, that is so speculative because right now there's so much, um, I don't know, there's this entire like game theory musical chairs thing that's being sort of thrown around between <laughs> Force India, McLaren, Sauber, uh, and Williams. And yeah. it's a lot of different moving parts. And then, uh, maybe we'll talk about this in a, in a bit, but, you know, is the Force India deal done and dusted as it seems? Uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, just to finish off the race here, Botas has been quietly moving up through the field uh, the way that Botas do. Uh, and four laps from the finish, he passes Perez on the straight for fourth place. Uh, even with the five seconds time penalty applied to him after the race, he does manage to keep fourth. Uh, and Sebastian Vettel brings it home in first, 11 seconds uh, ahead of Lewis Hamilton. And in third place, we have Max Verstappen. Uh, Botas in fourth, and then uh, Perez and Ocon in fifth and sixth. So pretty strong showing for uh, Racing Point Force India. Uh, their their first um their their first race as Racing Point Force India. So um, and congrats terrible, to no good, rotten day for uh, Ricardo and Raikkonen. Yeah, uh, just, absolutely. It felt bad for both of them because both of them managed to make it back out onto the circuit uh, after that first lap incident, and Raikkonen was retired within a few laps. But Ricardo, man, Red Bull were they were hoping maybe something would happen, maybe there'd be <laughs> another safety car and he could unlap himself and like get back into this thing. And so Ricardo wallowed through half that race, more than half that race, uh, before they were finally like, "Yeah, we're not. No miracles today." uh box yeah um uh let me just finish off the rest here roma grosjean in seventh kevin magnuson in eighth pierre gasly in ninth and marcus erickson bringing home some points for sauber interestingly um (laughs) racing point force india they had their uh, uh points reset um which was uh, the we talked about last episode that was the fear that did come to pass because they are technically a new team now with the new owners um so they got their points reset but in one race they have uh, jumped williams and are only one point behind sauber so <laughs> yeah um 
And then let's see, just outside the points, we've got Carlos Sainz, uh, Sergey Sorotkin in 12th, Stroll in 13th, Hartley in 14th, and Van Dorn in 15th. And as you said, Ricardo, Raikkonen, Hulkenberg, Alonso, and Leclerc all out of the race. So that was Belgium. I The first 30 seconds of the Belgian Grand Prix were fantastic. Mm. You're right. The rest of it, I don't know. But those 30 seconds, though. Those 30 seconds. Uh, I thought it was interesting after the race, too. Um, again, Hamilton, often heart on sleeve. Uh, he sure looked like a man who was seeing his championship hopes uh, just go up and smoke with that new Ferrari uh, engine upgrade. Um, he looked very... He did not look sanguine about what the rest of the season holds given the power disparity now there's you know he's always very quick to uh let his team know when he's not happy with how things are performing and when he's feeling like he's sort of being left holding the bag Hmm. but at the same time this did read to me as there being a little bit more to it um the ferrari now is a significantly better race car uh, than than the Mercedes, and when you talk about power disparity, uh, you sure you sure do not want to be going from this into Monza. Drive fast, drive smart, make headlines in F1 2018, the official video game of Formula One that puts you behind the wheel of the fastest racing machines in the world. Make a name for yourself as you speed across international racing circuits to overtake your rivals in F1 2018's revamped career mode. Become the league's most respected or most infamous driver on the track. Be prepared to establish yourself off the track as well. Increase your value in contract negotiations. Answer intense on-the-fly press interviews and build your F1 vehicle up to spec through improved R&D systems. Use that F1 know-how to decide how to utilize your car's power using in-depth ERS management. The Ultimate Formula One experience is available now on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Strap in for F1 2018. Make headlines. Uh, I did want to point out that um, it must be very, very sweaty work uh, (laughs) driving a race car. Because... in the green room, yep. Hamilton needed to do some drying. Oh, man. Oh, my Apparently God. Apparently, most of the, the liquid collects around the butt because Hamilton dried his butt it was, with a towel for an unreasonably long time. It's all it's all you could see. The camera just like, wouldn't look away. It didn't cut away. <laughs> no, my, part, my partner was watching that. Was like, she was like, are we just going to watch him deal with this whole swamp ass problem for like the rest of the rest of this broadcast? I was like, yes, yes, that is what we are going to see. Uh, he's just going to bunch believe, that up like, and wring it out. You like when you walked into the room, you saw the camera guy, right? You get like <laughs> Louis, Louis. Uh, you know, uh, three-time world championship, four-time world champion, box given zero. Yeah, uh, you're right. You know, at this at this stage in your career, you know, look, it's wet, it's humid out there. Uh, you got to make some adjustments. 
Ah, speaking of adjustments, Force India. Let's take it to the news. Um, There is, I guess, not a lot of hard news. It's just a lot of question marks surrounding uh, the team. Um, As we mentioned uh, last time, they did have to give up their points because they are effectively a new team because when they bought the cars and stuff, it, it did not come with the official Formula One entry, which I think must be a piece of paper or something. Uh, which is owned separately by like 17 Indian banks. So they're effectively a new team, which means they start their points at zero. Uh, Thankfully for them, though, every uh, other team voted so that Force India gets to keep their already accrued prize money, I think is how that works. Um, So that thumbs up for that in the name of sportsmanship. Uh, Also, they will have a different name in 2019, uh, because Force India, they or they're they're keeping Force India right now, uh, which I and I learned this from uh, a really informative YouTube channel called Chain Bear F1, um, which Sorry, does a what? lot of Chain Bear, Chain Bear F1. I will I will put a link to um, this video that kind of explains all the uh, the business weirdness with um, Force India, but. Um, yeah, shout out to my buddy Wayne for <laughs> linking me to that one. Um, they so when you look at the official constructor or names, it's like uh, Sahara Force India Mercedes. That's like the full name of the team, or it was. Now it's Racing Point Force India F one team or something. Uh, but anyway, the the first part is the name of the team. So Racing Point is the name of the team. Force India is the name of the chassis of the car. Okay. So when they bought the car, that car has been entered with the FIA with the name Force India. So the full name of the team cannot deviate from that because that's the name of your chassis and it must be included in your team name. So going forward, though, next year's car probably won't have the words Force India uh, in it. Uh, There were were some rumors swirling around that Lance Stroll would be in at Force India since his dad uh, just bought the team. Uh, As soon as Monza... So the next race that uh, has been confirmed to not be true, which is a weird way of saying that. Um, but there's no telling uh, after that. Basically, the confirmation is that we're staying with Perez and Ocon for Monza, but then question marks after that. So, uh, you know, Stroll, I have given him more than the benefit of the doubt. I think when he... Uh, steps into which is uh, looking very very likely when he steps into uh, Force India car that will be the time to put his money where his money is. Well, it's uh, it's kind. Of, I saw an article I think over on Race Fans where he went and he talked to like I think the Telegraph. Uh, he gave an interview where he's like he's sick of hearing people talk about uh you know him buying his way in. Uh, mm-hmm. He feels underappreciated. Um, so uh, I don't know. He's 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 a shift F one listener. Uh, he, he heard, he heard your call to stand up for himself and he's like, fuck it. I'm going to tell the world that I got here on the merits of being a pretty reasonable race car driver. Who's filthy fucking rich. We'll see. I mean, uh, the, the Perez Ocon, um, 
battle. Like they have both proven themselves uh, as as equals. So yeah. th- it'll be perfect to have Stroll go in against Perez, and we'll we'll see what he's really made of. So yeah, I hope he does well. Uh, don't I don't want to see anyone uh, in this sport struggle. Uh, but who knows? I sure don't. Speaking of Monza, let's talk about the track, Rob, because we got another, we are, our cup overfloweth with F1 over these seven days because we have another race right around the corner. All right. So Uh, where, yeah, I'm looking at these, they've changed the DRS zones. Yes. So they, uh, the FIA is expanding the DRS zones for five of the next eight venues. Uh, Monza, Sochi, Circuit of the Americas, Interlagos, and Yas Marina. Um, presumably these are on the, uh, let's see, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. He doesn't actually say in this race fans article where, oh, okay. Uh, the DRS zone leading from Lesmo 2 to the Ascari Chicane at Monza. There you go. More DRS all the time, according to Charlie Whiting. Do you like Monza, Rob? Uh, hmm. Do I like it is. Monza? It's one of those tracks that has been a staple of an F one staple forever. You know. I like it. I mean, I like it because it's classic. I like it because it's fast as hell, and I think uh, Parabolica is a really demanding corner. Uh, like. You can like anyone can get a car around there, but getting a car around uh, Parabolica like with maximum speed is actually really tricky. Uh, like I still like it is still one of those corners I do not feel I fully mastered. Uh, ditto the uh, two Lesmos curves. Uh, there's there's some places where it's a deceptive, deceptively simple looking track in a, in a few places that. Uh, really makes some demand some uh, perfect execution in places. At the same time, um, it sure is a lot of straight shots broken up by chicanes. Uh, yeah. That's that, that, that's my only knock against it. Um, but I don't know, man. Like it, when you take a scary, like almost like flat out, and you really nail it and carry just maximum speed uh, through there, it feels pretty cool. Uh, it's cl- yeah, it's it's a classic. I, I I like it. Uh, I would be I would be bummed if it went away. Yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot of these uh these curves look they look like uh you need to be a very technical driver to get the most out of them. Um, Parabolica itself it starts sharp but then shallows out. Yep. But of course, you can't just you got to be really feathering the throttle to to nail that one and then you got a straight and then a chicane. So you like that is that's prime overtaking opportunity if you do not get it right. I forget what the term for corners like that. I, I really love them. Uh like sweeping turns like a changing radius on them, I think are just so fascinating. Uh one way or the other where like it's not just one angle you hold, but like the 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 corner either opens or it, or it constructs on you uh, yeah i was can, gonna say in really uh in, in the dirt dirt video games they would say uh right three opens that's what this uh-huh. would be <laughs> oh, i love dirt um yeah i mean uh i i it monza never really stands out to me uh i think 
it's fun whenever um f1 goes there because of the fans same with uh same with brazil same yeah. with japan everyone is so psyched about formula one um that's really cool but uh yeah i don't know <laughs> you can go watch kimmy raikkonen uh do a really <laughs> deadpan uh <laughs> virtual lap of monza if you want on the f1 youtube channel it's but it, it is some like the fact they've got the um the podium over the track and the fans are beneath it uh, just always feels epic and special in a way. Like, I, I don't know, Monza feels like an intimate uh, race in some ways. Like, it's got that all that Ferrari and Italian motorsports passion there. Uh, it feels yeah. like it's less, um, there's less of a division between the sport and the fans uh, at Monza. I really, really like it uh, for, for that. I remember, like, a few years back when like Felipe Massa, I think got a podium, but he was driving for Williams. Uh, it was like a year or two after he left Ferrari and like they greeted him like a national goddamn hero, uh, up there. <laughs> uh, because you know, once Ferrari, always Ferrari, I guess. Uh, it, it was, it was really sweet. Uh, I liked it. Quick thing. You mentioned Japan. Did you notice, I think it was last year that like Kimi has like a really particular Japanese fandom. Oh yeah, the, it's awesome, <laughs> like, <laughs> and there seems to be a lot of women. Yes, the the woman like I remember this woman they they showed on the TV like was wearing this those F one hats that people wear at different races, but she yes. also had like she was wearing like a Kimi hat, and she had like written on her cheek or something like uh, one she was like Kimi Raikkonen, and then the other one was like Leave Me Alone. Uh, which I thought was the most perfect encapsulation of of uh, the Kimmy spirit in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> it really is. Um, let's see. Uh, weather in Monza looks to be quite interesting. Around Ooh. race time, we have uh, uh, 74 degrees Fahrenheit, 23 Celsius. Uh, wind at 11 kilometers an hour or 7 miles an hour. Uh, humidity 65%, so pretty humid. Precipitation, um, race time looks pretty low at 4%, but going into that, it's around 20 So we might see a wet track, uh, and then it does climb a little later to around 12% uh, in the late afternoon, so questionable for qualifying day. On race day, however, not a lot of precipitation. Lower winds, uh, about the same temps. Uh, same humidity too. So, um, maybe some question marks for qualifying, but, uh, looks to be just dandy on race day. Uh, tires, uh, according to the Pirelli Twitter account, we are racing in Italy with the medium soft and super soft tires. Um, asphalt grip is a two downforce is a one here at Monza. Asphalt abrasion is a three. Braking is a four. And lateral force is two. Uh, we're doing 53 laps around this 5.793 kilometer track, which I think is about 3.6 miles uh, for a total of 306 total kilometers. The Rubens Barrichello holds the lap record uh, from 2004. Um, oh, also, I wanted to mention uh, i was just browsing the formula one website apparently the f1 tv app is now live on ios and android so if you all uh if anyone out there is subscribed to f1 tv and has been using it on the computer apparently you can get it on your dang phone now 
Uh, and they are already using the Fernando Alonso, Charles Leclerc, Belgian GP image as like their promo shot. Man, it's a great picture. Uh, all right, going into the race, let's look at the driver standings, shall we? Uh, on top, Lewis Hamilton with 231. Sebastian Vettel behind him with 214, closing fast. Kimi Raikkonen's in third with 146. Valtteri Bottas right behind him with 144. Verstappen's in fifth with 120. Danny Rick with 118. Nico Hulkenberg down in seventh place with 52. K-Mag has 49. Alonso with 44. Perez has 40. Ocon with 37. Sainz with 30. Gasly with 28. Grosjean with 27. Leclerc has 13. Van Dorn with eight, Erickson with four, Stroll with, I'm sorry, Erickson with six, Stroll with four, Hartley with two, and Sergei Sorotkin, sorry, still have zero points. Uh, there's a lot of close battles here. Yep. The top is only 16 different. Then you got two separating Raikkonen and Botas, two separating Verstappen and Ricardo, three separating Hulkenberg and Magnussen, four separating Alonso and Perez, two separating Sainz and Gasly. One separating Gasly and Grosjean. Yeah, this is good. Man, this door has been just blown away by Alonso, though. Really curious to see what the McLaren looks like with somebody not Fernando Alonso behind the wheel. Yes. That is going to be a very uh, revealing... Uh, well, we're not going to get to see it this year. Um, so next year that question might be mooted because uh, a lot's going to be different. It'll be a new car. But yeah, um, <laughs> the car just seemed so bad. And Avalonzo still up there in ninth. Uh, strikes me as impressive. Uh, yeah. I I hope that... Um, I don't know. I like Van Dorn. Uh, <laughs> I hope he gets to stick around. He he, he seemed like a pretty, pretty normal guy in that um, Grand Prix driver film. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the other racing series that are happening around the world. We've got Formula 2 supporting Formula 1 in Monza this weekend. Uh, the Verizon IndyCar Series is at Portland International Raceway. Um, the NHRA is at the uh, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis for the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. And Rob, boy, do I have a NASCAR race for you. We were off last weekend, had a little break, but we got hungry for racing. We're at Darlington this weekend, and we're stuffing our faces with the Bojangles Southern 500. Bojangles Southern 500. Jesus. Are you making these up still? Nope. Oh, man. American Motorsports, you're the best. Oh, so good. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, there's Formula One. First practice starts August 20... I'm sorry, August 31st uh, at 2 a.m. Second practice, same day at 6 a.m. Pacific time. These are specifically Pacific times. Third practice, Saturday, September 1st at 3 a.m., followed by qualifying at 6, uh, 6 a.m., and then the race, Rob, Sunday, September 2nd at 6.10 a.m. Pacific time. Ah, uh, Got to get up um, bright and early for that one. Certainly do. 
Let's take it to some emails really quick. Speaking of NASCAR, we got a lot of people uh, writing in uh, with clarifications for your question about uh, the the uh, um, extravagant use of cautions yeah. in NASCAR. So David, uh, Steve, and Andrew all wrote in. Um, I'm going to read this one from Andrew here. Uh, hey guys, I'm writing in regard to Rob's question about full course cautions in NASCAR. As a diehard fan of both IndyCar and NASCAR and F1, I figured I could lend some insight. So, Rob, your your question was basically like, do they throw are they rubber full course cautions? Yeah. yeah, are they? Is this Mario Kart? Are they throwing cautions just to bunch everybody up yeah. and get some fun restarts? Uh, Andrew says the answer is that NASCAR is so hooked on throwing cautions to keep things close that they've actually made it a formal part of the rules. For years, fans complained about how NASCAR would throw cautions for the slightest reasons if the racing got a bit strung out. Then, starting in 2017, NASCAR instituted what's known as stage racing, where each race would be broken up into three stages. The first two stages are 20 to 30 percent of the race distance, uh, and the remainder is the final. Uh, a full course caution is thrown at the end of the first two stages, uh, with points awarded to the top 10 at the end of the first two stages and to everyone at the end of the race. This means that in every NASCAR race in Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks will have at least two cautions. NASCAR justified this by saying that the stages create more, quote, moments. This, like many of NASCAR's problems, can be linked to Brian France. He became CEO of NASCAR in 2003. After 2003, the number of debris cautions in NASCAR jumped. The 2003 season averaged about one debris caution per race. Between 2004 and 2016, each NASCAR season had an average of at least 1.5 debris cautions per race. Interestingly, the number of debris cautions dropped significantly with the advent of stage racing, falling from 58 debris cautions in 2016, 1.61 per race, to 21 debris cautions in 2017, 0.58 per race. Um, IndyCar doesn't have the history of debris cautions the same way NASCAR does. Long green flag stretches on ovals are pretty common in IndyCar, but when IndyCar has cautions on ovals, they tend to be long cautions, especially if there hasn't been a caution for a while. The tires Firestone makes makes for IndyCar. Um, the tires the, the tires Firestone makes for IndyCar have a tendency to shed marbles mm-hmm. or clag, as David Hobbs would describe it, which accumulate go. off the racing line and make passing difficult. Sweeping up those marbles tends to improve the show, but it can take some time, uh, making cautions longer and more noticeable. As for Brian France, calling him the Bernie Eccleston of NASCAR is an insult to Bernie. Yeah. Bernie stayed around too long, but for a couple of decades, he was a capable leader of F1. Brian France never gave the impression of competent leadership. France's leadership has been marked by poor decisions, uh, both in terms of how the sport is run and how France represents the brand. But that's another longer, angrier email for another time. Uh, Keep up the good work and congratulations to Danny on the child best, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. That is awesome. Well, remember, when it came to improving the show, like Bernie Ecclestone floated the idea of like, yo, what if we sprayed the course down with water midway through? Everyone loves rain racing. What if we just slip yeah. and slide this? Uh, <laughs> which was about, one Bernie. of those moments where it was like, "All right, Bernie, maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to pack it in." <laughs> hey, man, he's thinking. Uh, you can write to us at uh, shift. Um, that's wrong. Uh, F one dot cool slash emails. We have a uh, submission form there where you can write in we're also on twitter follow at shift f1 podcast for show updates and any fun f1 stuff we run across i'm at drew scanlon he is at rob zachney that's correct 
Uh, and uh, where can people find you at your day job, Rob Zachney? Uh, at waypoint.vice.com. Fantastic. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes on f1.cool and in your F1 app. Uh, until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. That is Rob Zachney, Danny O'Dwyer, still on Patreon leave. <laughs> uh, anything else, Rob? Uh, nope, just... Uh, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I predict we're going to have a boring race at Monza. Yep, definitely okay. not expecting a good race at all. Not even hoping for it. Uh, good luck, Rob. Uh, have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time. <laughs>